Taiwan may start to administer its first vaccines as soon as next Monday to frontline workers. Officials say 57 hospitals have been contracted to administer the 117,000 AstraZeneca doses, which have now been cleared by the Food and Drug Administration. The vaccine will need to pass a final safety review by an expert panel that convenes Friday. Testing is complete for the first batch of vaccines. The FDA gave the green light on Wednesday, and administration could start by next Monday. Shots have already begun shipping out, but the CECC says experts will convene on Friday to assess the latest situation in the EU and decide whether to give the final OK. We will target healthcare staff at contracted hospitals based on the situation of each hospital. If more than 500 people are to be vaccinated at the hospital, then that hospital will receive doses from this first batch of vaccines. There are currently 57 hospitals, at least one in every city and county. There are some counties and cities that have more. Officials said every city and county will have a vaccination site. They also announced a change to the vaccination program. The original plan was to give just one dose to 117,000 people. But now the health chief says that to ensure full protection for frontline staff, a full regimen of two doses will be given to 58,000 people. The reaction of medical staff has been that, since they're getting vaccinated with one dose, they want to get the second dose too, instead of having that be delayed. Besides frontline workers, athletes banned for the Olympics will also get priority access to the vaccines. Meanwhile, there's been no word on the next vaccine shipment, leaving a pull of uncertainty over the inoculation timetable. A travel bubble allowing Taiwanese to enter Palau without quarantining is stirring controversy in Palau, according to a KMT Taipei councillor. Councillor Xu Chaoxing says she's been informed that quite a few Palauans are opposed to the plan. Palau has had zero cases of COVID since the start of the pandemic, and some locals fear a travel corridor would introduce infection risk. Announced on Wednesday, the Taiwan Palau travel bubble launches next month, and already airlines and travel agencies have unveiled itineraries. The travel bubble was touted as a symbol of friendship between the two allied nations. But according to KMT councillor Xu, there are some in Palau who don't want Taiwanese tourists coming in. It might be because Palau has been quite effective at containing COVID. It is also an island nation with a small population. So the launch of the travel bubble is something they are quite wary of, especially after the Fleet of Friendship incident. That caused some panic in the country. Xu says last year's Panshi incident is feeding worries over the travel bubble. Meanwhile, there's also opposition to the bubble within Taiwan. During the YouTube livestream of the announcement on Wednesday, one viewer commented that traveling in a bubble would be a hassle since you have to move in groups all the time. Another voice concerned that travelers could bring the coronavirus into Taiwan. Yet another one said, I don't understand why it's so urgent to open up travel. Palau has had zero COVID cases, so deciding on this policy was relatively easy for us. Back then, the hardest issue to resolve was they had zero cases, so it's easy for us to say it's okay to go there and come back. But from their perspective, the question was what kind of test regime should be implemented. That was a tough issue for them. Health Minister Chen Shizhong said the travel bubble was made possible because Palau trusts the COVID testing done in Taiwan. 
Meanwhile, reports say that more countries, including Japan, Singapore, Vietnam and South Korea, have expressed interest in a travel bubble with Taiwan. As Taiwan and Palau take this step, the whole world is watching. As we develop bubble tourism in this so-called green corridor, we are creating a metric that other cities and regions will reference when opening their borders. The health and transport minister said no decisions have yet been made and that all arrangements are still under discussion. Though many countries are eager to resume international travel, the top priority is still to ensure public health and safety. Haidong County has launched a campaign to diversify the export market for Atamoyas. Currently, 95% of the Atamoyas are sold to China. But in the wake of Beijing's ban on Taiwanese pineapple, the local government says it will explore new markets to prevent over-reliance on any single destination. Farmers in the county were busy on Thursday getting a 10-ton shipment ready for export to the UAE. One by one, the Atamoyas are inspected, wrapped with care, and loaded onto a container. This will be the maiden shipment to Dubai of the United Arab Emirates. This batch is 10 tons. In the future, we'll send out routine shipments that are adjusted based on how the market develops. Of course, the more, the better. China's ban on Taiwan pineapples has once again exposed the risk of relying on a single export market. Taidong is the only place in Taiwan that produces atamoyas, with 2,500 hectares of land dedicated to the crop. Each year, 25,000 tons are produced, with a value of 1.4 billion NT. Up to 95% of the harvest is exported to China. In hopes of breaking into new markets, the Taidong County government will send a batch of atamoyas to test out the Middle East market. They are being sent in a controlled atmosphere container that overcomes the logistics bottleneck we faced before. This is the first time we're using this mode of marine transport to the Middle East. Transporting atamoyas is a delicate task, made even harder by the long shipping time. The fruit will be transported in a controlled atmosphere filled with nitrogen to slow down ripening. This is to ensure that after leaving Taiwan and traveling the 6,000 kilometers to Dubai, the Atamoyas will still be at the peak of freshness. When it comes to our Atamoyas, the goal is not to develop only one market. We will work hard to marshal our human resources to deliver this premium fruit to the whole world. The county government plans to open more doors for its produce, giving all the world access to the treasures of the kingdom of fruit. Over in the U.S., China critic Catherine Tai has been confirmed by the Senate as the country's trade representative. Tai's nomination was approved in a rare unanimous vote of 98 to nil. The Taiwanese-American is the first woman of color to hold the post. Tai is a longtime critic of Beijing's trade practices. In her new role, she will be tasked with enforcing trade deals and negotiating terms with China and other nations. Her confirmation suggests the Biden administration will retain a hardline approach on China trade. A new fitness club just for senior citizens has opened in Shinzu. The club is one of 14 spread out across Taiwan. It's all part of a new government scheme to encourage seniors to take charge of their own fitness. The timer counts down to the grand opening of the first senior health club in Shinju City. 
Professional caregivers help club members to use the exercise equipment. The Ministry of Health and Welfare is promoting projects like this all over the country to help the elderly extend their physical fitness and mental agility with support from local health centers, care homes, and community centers. This is an exemplary project launched by the Ministry of Health and Welfare late last year. We selected 14 centers nationwide. And we want to attract healthy citizens age 50 and over to come and visit. Unlike standard exercise machines, this hydraulic exercise equipment is safer for seniors. They can use it with much less caution or fear of injury. Fitness centers for seniors are soon to spring up across Taiwan. In the next five years, elderly health centers like this will be built in 288 locations. We want to encourage our citizens to develop good health habits, to take charge of their own health as they age, and reduce the need for care for infirmity. As Taiwan's birth rate falls, it's heading for a more elderly future than ever. These centers should help senior citizens stay healthy and happy through their autumn years. Taiwan's central bank has left interest rates unchanged for the fourth quarter in a row. The discount rate will stay at 1.125%. The rate on refinancing secured loans is 1.5%, and the rate for temporary accommodation is 3.375%. The central bank has also raised its 2021 GDP growth forecast for Taiwan from 3.68% to 4.53%. Even so, its projection is below that of Taiwan's statistics agency, which issued a growth outlook of 4.64% in February. A referendum could now be triggered on a natural gas project near Taoyuan's Datan Algal Reef after activists had submitted more than 700,000 signatures on Thursday. That's more than twice the number of signatures required for a people's vote. If approved by the Central Election Commission, a vote would take place nationwide on August 28th. 真爱早教,真爱早教,连署达标,连署达标。It was a moment months in the making. Every member of Rescue Datan's Algal Reefs Alliance turned out at the CEC to deliver signatures. Six cartons were deemed non-compliant, and 100 forms were withdrawn by their signatories. Even so, the total came out to 703,000, more than twice the number required. Upon verification, a referendum would be announced May 27th and held nationwide on August 28th. The alliance plans to hold events before the vote to promote debate on the issue. Before the debates, we can have a public hearing. That is to say, for so many years now, we've struggled with the question, is the economy more important or is the environment? What's that area of development involved? Would the project affect the algal reef? The biggest culprits here are the Ministry of Economic Affairs and CPC Corporation for providing false information. President Tsai, you are the president of all the people, not just the president of the DPP. You are not the president of the CPC and the Ministry of Economic Affairs. You should also listen to the voices of these people. You should try to find a viable alternative before August 28th. Otherwise, even if the DPP wins this battle, you'll be known as the one who destroyed these algal reefs. The group leveled criticism at the economics ministry and state-owned oil refiner. It also warned that, should the referendum pass and the government build the project anyway, there would be a price to pay. If the referendum passes on August 28th and they build a terminal anyway, if they show that their values are a betrayal of the people's will, then during the local elections next year and the presidential election after that, we will see a true demonstration of the people's will. 
This issue does call for more extensive explanations and communication with the public. If the DPP didn't care about the Algol Reef, it would not have modified the KMT's original development plan. The DPP tried its best to reduce reef damage to the minimum. The lawmaker said the DPP would face the referendum with humility. He said the party would work harder to communicate with the public, minimize damage and achieve a win-win situation for power production and environmental protection. Despite the promises of Taiwan's leading supermarkets to cut plastic waste, Greenpeace Taiwan has found that plastic makes up 90% of their packaging for fruit and veg. This means an increase, not a decrease, on Greenpeace's 2019 figures. In addition, the bioplastic called PLA, which stores have touted as a way of hitting their plastic reduction goals, does not decompose easily in seawater or soil. With no industrial composting system in Taiwan to handle PLA waste, the environmental toll is comparable to that of traditional plastic. Stephanie Yang has the story. Whether it is fresh fruits or vegetables, they are all wrapped in plastic in supermarkets and hypermarkets. The stores emphasize they use a kind of bioplastic called PLA, usually made from cornstarch, cassava or sugarcane. But does it really decompose? Greenpeace tested plastic packages labeled as biodegradable from hypermarkets in Taiwan. They discovered that these plastic packages did not decompose in the soil, soil surface, or seawater. In the study, PLA straws, trays, and other packaging were placed in soil and seawater environments. After two months, Greenpeace found that the PLA did not decompose. In our uh, like midterm, mid-term observation, we can find maybe some of the uh, POA products, they actually reduce a little bit weight, but from the outside, to, from outside you can still see it's a, almost like a brand new product like this. And even though we can find like inside the soil, this cup, they have some cracked outside, but we, also, we can also like assume that it's because of the weight of the soil. Back in 2019, Greenpeace first investigated the use of plastic packaging in supermarkets and hypermarkets retailers across Taiwan. In January this year, they visited 67 retail stores across Taiwan, including RT Mart, Costco, PX Mart, Simple Mart, Carrefour, Welcome, and A Mart. The overall use of plastic packaging increased from an average of 86.4% in 2019 to 90.4% in 2021. Among them, the proportion of plastic packaging used by the worst stores was 100% for Simple Mart, which was no change from 2019, while PX Mart and Welcome both exceeded 90%, which amounts to a near 7% increase from 2019. Choose the wrong way to, um, to reduce the plastic package. They, uh, they depend on uh, changing to biodegradable plastic and they claim this is a good way to reduce the plastic use. But actually, biodegradable plastic, they are not, help, uh, they are not helpful for, like, for directly reduce the usage of the package. And actually, it will increase the difficulties that, that we are dealing with the waste issue. 
Plastic waste accumulates rapidly and doesn't decompose easily either in landfill or the marine environment. According to Greenpeace, one out of every three sea turtles has consumed plastic. The environmental group is urging retailers to stop using PLA as a plastic reduction measure. Instead, Greenpeace hopes that retailers can eliminate single-use packaging and invest in a refill and reuse system. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Chen Bohan in Taipei. A group of Qing dynasty cannons has been restored by experts in the process revealing a dangerous discovery. A Japanese artillery shell was found inside one of the cannons. Despite the alarm, the shell was not active. After restoration at Tainan National University of the Arts, the artifacts are now ready to go on display. This ancient cannon weighs hundreds of kilograms. It's lifted cautiously into the air to be transported to a restoration team. But inside one of these cannon's barrels, researchers uncovered an extremely rusted shell. We were removing the dust and then using refining tools, and then we realized in shock that it was actually an artillery shell. The police were immediately alerted, as well as the army's bomb unit, who arrived on the scene to help. They determined the shell was a Japanese-era 75-centimeter warhead. Qing Dynasty cannons were breech loaders with shells loaded at the back to fire. So that's very different from what we found this time, finding a modern ammunition shell in the cannon's barrel. It's still a mystery why a Japanese shell was sitting in a Qing Dynasty cannon, but these 13 cannons have a lot to tell historians of Taiwan's early modern era, especially about the Qing Dynasty's military presence in the Penghu Islands. After undergoing rust removal and preservation measures, they're already back home in Penghu with plans in place for an exhibition. I hope we can preserve them in temperature and climate-controlled cases to protect the restored cannons, but also to be able to exhibit them. After all the excitement of the shell's discovery and restores hard work, it's time for these artifacts to get the attention they deserve. Pingdong County government is replacing all its street signs with colorful new signs that show off aspects of local culture. The classic white on blue signs will be phased out by the end of this year. After a successful trial in limited districts, the county government hopes the new signs will encourage pride in the local culture. This promotional video shows off Pingdong's new signage aesthetic. The classic white on blue scheme is being phased out. Our sign is based on Chaozhou Parachuting Ground, which is a distinctive feature of Chaozhou. Local landmarks and specialties are incorporated into the new signs, with a symbol representing each locality. They're larger and much more colorful than the old style. If visitors come to the area, they'll know what a specialty is as soon as they see the sign. It's really great. But sometimes older people find it hard to tell if it's an official street sign. In 2017, we started a trial on Mudan Township, Taiwu Township, and the Liuqiu Islands. The results were good, so this year we're rolling them out comprehensively across 20 districts, including in Pingdong City. Pingdong County government hopes the project will beautify local streets, engender a greater sense of belonging, and boost tourism. They hope to replace all the county signs by the end of 2021.